Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people, welcome. Bad people, welcome. Anyone, medium people between good and bad people, welcome. Anyone who wanna learn more about SEO, how you can get results, welcome. Today we are going to discuss about international SEO. We can cover about AI, many different topics. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Julia Karlin Zen. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Welcome back one more time. I'm looking forward to learn more. I know about your valuable insights in my first episode. I got your lessons in my SEO course. I'm so proud to learn from you. And yeah, looking forward to learn more, especially I. Uh, you mentioned before the podcast that you can cover about something that others can't do or can't accept, controversial topics. Yeah, I'm looking forward to find another side of the coin. And Julia, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, remind previous listeners for new listeners about what you do online and anything that can help others to learn more about you so yeah my name is julia and i'm a freelance seo consultant um so i help um businesses um rank higher in google by telling them what changes they should make on their websites um to improve their SEO. I specialize in international SEO because my background is in languages. So I studied French, Spanish, and Italian at uni. And um, <laughs> wow, what's that? <laughs> that look about? Um, so that, that kind of um, puts me in a good position there to um, work in different markets and also um, work with people in the different markets. So international SEO is kind of... Uh, my niche that I've discovered for myself. I am native German, but I've lived in mm. the UK for the last few years. And that's also where I'm based, where most of my clients are based. And um, I've become a digital nomad over the last two years. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm also traveling um, many months in a year when I'm not in the UK. So yeah, that, nice. that's me. Awesome. Awesome. I I, I love it. I love your experience uh, and that's cool. Uh, you know, I found that uh, specialists who speak a few languages, they are more productive. And uh, I uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Joe Sugarman wrote on his book 40 years ago that everyone needs to speak uh, two and more languages because if they speak, they, uh, I don't know how, but uh, their mind can work much better and you know, more productive than uh, if you speak just one language. And yeah, that's cool to learn from different cultures. Julia, I want to start from the first question. I'm interested about uh, AI. You know, um, when we had the first episode, AI was not like we have today. Uh, I used AI that time but uh, today i can use a lot more after chat gpt and gpt4 yeah uh, works much better provide accurate data so can you tell how you use ai today to get high results in google um well i, I can tell you how you should not use ai okay. yeah, <laughs> for <sure. SEO. laughs> so um please don't don't write all your content by a machine um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting, I had recently a discussion um, with some other um, people in, in SEO, and um, our theory is that we will still need writers, human writers, in the years to come, but their role will shift more into an editing role 
and not so much a writing role. So they use things like ChatGPT to um, get the, the outline of the content to save some time on research. But then the human goes and checks mm -hmm. that content, rephrases things to make them sound a bit more natural. Really important fact checking. And that's not just for international SEO, that's for SEO in general or for anything you do um, with AI. Double check um, that the information is accurate and maybe check where, where it is coming from, what are the sources there. And yeah, really important rephrasing because um, you start to see patterns, especially in longer texts, you notice the sentence structure is always the same. And so, uh, quite often what I've seen when, when people have tested AI content is that uh, there's a lot of redundancy. So information is in there multiple times, just said in a bit of a different way, but it's exactly the same and you read this and you think oh, this is boring i don't really want to keep on reading this so that's where we need the humans to make it a bit more exciting and um yeah keep, keep I, I, engaged you know i couldn't agree more because uh you know if you ask chat gpt please write article how to learn french how to lose weight how to play guitar you get generic answers you can get yeah uh much better information on google because yeah. uh, it's ai written but uh you know wikipedia and many other websites can reply much better you know yeah. uh, uh because uh, you know of course chat gpt is the best rewriting tool ever rewriting <laughs> it's not writing and but if you fit with the right data uh, for example uh i I use ChatGPT to edit my press releases and we got mentioned on CNN uh, a few days ago. That was, no, we wrote um, our press release uh, and we edited on ChatGPT. We didn't uh, write from scratch and CNN and other great publications, then they can recognize AI written content. I, I spoke with a few publications, they told me they uh procrastinated the process to accept press releases because after chat gpt they got a lot more requests you know with <laughs> generic press releases you know because just go to chat gpt ask please uh, write press release about this topic you get it for a few seconds but it's not nothing new you know journalists don't need such press releases and julia i'm interested about translation you know in international SEO, we need to translate from different languages, and we do it. We do it. We translate from English to Russian, Ukrainian, and 10 other languages. And let me share my process. I usually translate to languages that I understand. For example, Russian, Ukrainian. Yeah, I, I know how it looks on these languages. Then uh, if I see everything looks fine, then I translate to other languages, and it works. So can you tell, is it a good idea today to use ChatGP to translate? your website and cover more broad audience <laughs> no <laughs> in no. short no <laughs> no uh, machine machine translations in general um have never been a good idea since since the early days and um chat gpt does not change uh that because you have multiple ways how to say certain things in a language and what what makes you think that the tool always picks that up correctly 
there are sometimes words that I can, can tell be you translated what. with other uh -huh. with different words you don't know the context and then in most cases if you are an expert in your field which it means there's expert terminology in the other language and all the, the machines they have been trained on simple on basic language they they don't know necessarily your industry like if it's a medical topic if it's legal topics you need to know the right terminology um, for your translation to be accurate yeah, of course of course and that just I, I, doesn't work yeah I, I i think so you know it's better to give to proofreaders to experts you know who can fix it but yeah. we translate to russian and ukrainian languages because we speak these languages and if we see that uh, it's not, you know, for example, if I translate in Google Translate or uh, uh, Deep Crawl, I don't remember exactly uh, the name of this website, but, Deeper. you know, uh, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, it's not good. We need to edit, but on ChatGPT, we use prompts. Please consider yeah. the culture of this country, consider yeah. the uh, language that people can speak. For example, if I translate to Turkish or uh, Italian, you know, yeah, we ask ChatGPT, please <laughs> consider people in these countries. And uh, after checking with Russian and Ukrainian language, if we, if I'm feeling that I can't fix anything after this yeah. translation, that means we tried with different languages. Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends on prompts, but of course, for medical, niche it's not a good idea <laughs> you know yeah i i don't want to have anything that provide uh, drone information you know so yeah yeah it depends. okay julia i wanna uh ask you about creating the right strategy you know what people usually do they go to semrush ahrefs uber suggest many great tools google keyword planner it's free so uh they find generic high volume keywords but what they found, it's hard. It's hard to get results with these keywords because you can compete with Wikipedia. If I use SEO, I need to compete with Moz, Ahrefs, Neil Patel, many great resources. They deserve these ranking positions. They have resources. It's not only about creating high quality content. They have authority, trust. People want to see their content first. Uh, in the second, it doesn't mean that I can sell by having these keywords because yeah uh, uh, it's not related to my products you know uh, to have SEO uh, and it's a big trap uh, I once I spoke with webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions but he didn't lose any sales so he got a lot of traffic that didn't convert so can you tell your methods how to create the right strategy considering customers competitors and uh, your unique selling proposition <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so that is of course different in every industry and especially in the context of international seo also different for every country so something that brings a lot of traffic and converts in one one market might not in another so that's for international seo the, the first thing to always keep in mind is that all this work needs to be done separately for each market so you can't just do this for the English market and then take this into the other markets and um, hope that it works. And then um, the, the, well, the go-to is usually to, to pick one of these tools that you mentioned because you're mm -hmm. already getting um, 
so much data. So if you only use a Ahrefs or only use SEMrush or only Keyword Planner, that is already enough data. You don't need to make it more complex um, because also these tools, they give you different search volumes. It's not really comparable numbers. So stick to one tool that you want to go with. And then what I usually do is I uh, look a bit around. It's like who else is in that industry, that field or that topic? And that might not necessarily be direct competitors. That can also be blogs and magazines that talk about the same topic and compete with us about the same keywords. So we need to broaden a bit how we understand the word competitor. And then I download the keywords that they are ranking for. From, for mm. example, SEMrush, Ahrefs, both these tools um, do that. You can download all those keywords that these other websites are ranking for. And then, and this is now where um, machine assistance can come in very handy in a first categorization because you want to understand, okay, okay, I have now here 50,000 keywords. I can't go through all these keywords by myself. Um, so I need a bit of machine help here for me to, to categorize, to give me an idea where am I um, and where should I even start. And mm -hmm. These tools, they already do that. If you download one of these keyword lists, it already gives you a, a field for what is the intent here. Is it commercial? Is it informational? And so on. Um, you can already get information about categories or overarching topics. And But in the, in the end, you still need to look at that with a human eye and decide somebody who puts that keyword into Google, what are they really hoping to find? And if the answer is they just want a definition, then that, that won't really help you get any sales because mm -hmm. the user just wants a definition and he or she gets this definition directly in Google. They don't even have to click on your result anymore. So what you want to start with is those keywords that are more likely to generate a click to your website in the first step and maybe even a purchase, a conversion. Yeah. And to understand keywords at that deep level, you need a human brain. It's great. It's great that these uh, machines tell you, oh yeah, these keywords have commercial intent. And then you look at them and you're like, yeah, but it's the wrong target audience or maybe our tool does something similar and it doesn't exactly offer that. So you also need to take into account what can my product or service actually do? Because mm -hmm. if a keyword asks for a solution that you cannot offer, and then it's also important to really check for those keywords that you want to target, who is ranking for them. What I see quite often is uh, clients, they want uh, to rank for keywords, the top 10, the best of this and that. And then you look at the search results and all you see are comparison websites yeah. where you're like, well, your website is not a comparison website. You try to sell a product. So even if you get a list out there where you compare all your competitors to one another, Google won't rank you for that because they know that you're not neutral. Especially for like SaaS products, Gartner, for example, brings out these really great lists of software comparisons. They hold not only authority, they're also neutral in that sense because they are not selling these products themselves and these are mm -hmm. all things that you need to understand about every single keyword that you take yeah. into your strategy <laughs> and that is Valuable. true across 
all the markets. And then you also need to um, understand how do people in each market behave? Do they really want to buy? Like one example, I had um, a client of mine, they're trying to sell a screenshot software. And we were in the first step when we started working together, they wanted to target the educational sector because it was just after pandemic, um, everybody had moved online also in education. So they saw a great opportunity there for teachers to use screenshot software. And what I said to them, look, you have so much competition out there that offers the tools for free. Mm -hmm. And especially in Germany, my home country, teachers aren't willing to spend money on software that they can get for free. Mm-hmm. And it, it took the client a while to realize that what I had told them about the German market was right. <laughs> because for <laughs> France and for the US and all those markets, everything was fine and it was converting. But their education also is in, in big parts private. So uh-huh. they do have more funds to begin with. Whereas in Germany, schools get government money. And so they don't spend it on tools Mm -hmm. that you have to pay for. They look for free alternatives. So there was, there was just the the conversion, the chances to get a conversion were much lower, even though you're ranking first position in Google, everybody clicks on it, but they're still not buying. Or they sign up for the free trial and then they don't convert for the actual paid scheme. So Mm -hmm. these are all things, especially with international SEO that you need to take into account. Nice. You know, I can feel that uh, I watch the movie, you know, because when you share this value, you know, you are shiny, you know, <laughs> we got more light. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sitting in a, in a little uh, photo photo booth here. <laughs> and I can't really change the, the uh, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got this feeling, wow, you know, yeah. more value, more shine, <laughs> more, more light. <laughs> yeah. That's good. <laughs> Julia, I want to ask you about your uh, photo background uh, in journalism. Um, you know, it's interesting that uh, I often see when websites use uh, stock photos, pictures, and uh, I don't know how about today, but Google couldn't recognize uh, photos and pictures for a long time, but today probably Google can because this AI can draw these pictures even. Uh, And uh, it's not only about alt text, it's more about... um, users you know users wanna get something new you know if you uh, submit stock picture even if it's quality better than uh, real photo or picture you know uh, users can uh, they might see uh, or get this picture in other places so it can hurt user experience so can you tell how it's important today to uh, to create or uh, make photos, pictures, uh, unique uh, for users, and your tips how to find, uh, I don't know, the best way how to submit in your content. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a, a tricky question. I say it from the perspective, I also do have a travel blog and I do all mm-hmm. my photos myself. Ooh. So I walk, well, around with a, <laughs> I walk around with a real camera. So it's mm-hmm. not not even just phone photography. Um, so it's uh, kind of a topic that that is important to me personally, because I've gone through doing courses for photography and really learning how to take a good picture that tells a story, 
really sometimes with a bit of a yeah journalistic background um, storytelling behind it um, but it's not so much SEO related for SEO um, especially if you're selling products of course you want good photos of your products mm -hmm. you don't want a stock image of a product <laughs> that <laughs> that qualifies as what what your product is doing like let's say a, a face cream you, you couldn't put a picture there of another face cream it needs to mm -hmm. be a picture of the one that you're actually selling then the other problem is um copyrights um so um, if you take a photo from somewhere on the internet the photographer could sue you for that and you would have to pay them a lot of money then so always double check where you really take these photos from and mm -hmm. yeah it is right i've noticed that myself people use stock photos and even they're they're lazy they type in one word and take one of the first pictures that come up and everybody does that mm -hmm. and you see, keep seeing the same picture everywhere Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's not good user experience. And with everything, and we haven't touched on it when we spoke about um, the chat GPT content, but with SEO, yes, the first goal is you want to bring visitors to your website. But the final goal is you want to sell your products and services. You want them to convert. And to do that, you need to kind of reach them on an emotional level. You can't do that with machine content. You need to have some personal element in there. And the same with photos. You really want something that convinces them of what, what you're doing and that, that maybe triggers an emotion and makes them, oh yeah, I really want to buy this. And there is the question, can you really do that with stock photos? And everybody has probably noticed it themselves. <laughs> How do, do you browse through the internet what are your impressions when you read a piece of content that just sounds boring you're like well why would i buy from these guys i can't i don't feel like i have a connection to them but if you write read something that is written in a really personal way maybe it is a bit entertaining somebody's playing with words you feel this this connection you're like oh my god i, I trust these guys yeah I, I can buy from them mm -hmm. and so all these things play in and that is um, with images and of course um, with text and in the context of international SEO what is important with images is that they also resonate culturally of course you can translate content but you also always should double check are these images a appropriate <laughs> and mm -hmm. really do they, do they resonate culturally like one one standard example that probably everybody understands is if you translate something to Arabic and target that audience don't put an image there of a woman in a bikini <laughs> yeah easy <laughs> easy thing um so so all these these things take them into account and i had an interesting um discussion lately with somebody about on which hand you wear a wedding ring mm -hmm. and me constantly being surrounded by international people i was like okay now, now i'm not sure about this anymore and then i looked it up and it really is in the german speaking countries you wear it on your right hand and everywhere else in the world it's mostly the left hand uh -huh. and uh, that made me think okay so if your website if you're trying to sell wedding rings you probably have beautiful images there of women with nicely done nails and everything and you see the ring on their hands does it resonate mm -hmm. with people if it is on the other hand than what they're used to in their culture so you need to change these images 
Yeah, nice, nice, nice sharing. By the way, if you wanna cover Arabic countries and don't want to show women in bikini, no, I can tell you one secret. These guys love women in bikini. <laughs> you know, yeah. of, of but it's course, but it's, it's not culturally appropriate. That's, yeah, that's yeah, thing. but yeah. you know, you don't yeah. cover government; yeah. you cover people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, and I, 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 I know because I uh, promote some content about investing, trading uh, yeah. for these countries. And of course, it's not good for uh, common thinking, but you know, you help users, you know. And I remember uh, Prime Minister of England, uh, I don't remember her name, uh, and uh, when she uh, traveled to uh yeah to some arabic countries and uh many people ask you to uh to wear uh this uh you know this hat uh, she denied she told i want to show people how women can look without that so we are free we don't need to wear something because of this culture and uh, i'm against uh, such culture you know so i think you know people are still people yeah of course we have regulations we have some cultures uh, it's not good idea probably if you go to the church but yeah people <laughs> are still people you know <laughs> so they love women in bikini believe me if if i'm wrong guys please wrote in the comments <laughs> okay uh, julia i wanna ask you about um uh, you know, you mentioned uh, about content a lot, and uh, I, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, once I spoke with Jim Edwards, he worked in Business Insider ten years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for five hundred million dollars. Great success, and he told me that success of Business Insider depends uh, on creating non-boring content. You know, today most content are boring. You know, I see everywhere. Uh, I love reading business books. Most of them are good for sleeping. You know, you can sleep well. Just take a new boring book. You know, it's not like uh, Jack London or uh, I don't know many other great authors. Uh, but I can't tell that all books. Uh, of course, Josh Sugarman when he wrote this book about marketing 40 years ago, I can relate all these insights to digital. You know, I, I have the feeling that he wrote this book about digital more than about uh, common marketing because human psychology the same nothing changed you know we ch technologies change but people are still people you know with uh and you mentioned about emotions you, you need to provoke these emotions and uh, for example you know when i watch uh any presentation from uh google they uh tim cook steve jobs you know tim cook shared uh great stories about uh, how gadgets can help um to decide your problems many things and it's not boring it's interesting to watch but i see when uh, content creators submit a lot of features you know create boring content and that's why bounce rate is high so can you tell how to create non-boring content of course you are going to share, share value value is yeah. the most important but if it's boring people bounce you know so any tips about that yes that's that's just the the general tips about writing and what i noticed and i had had a discussion with another seo consultant about that a few weeks ago when i started in seo i kept telling my clients a lot 
structure this content better. Um, there should be subheadings, paragraphs should be shorter, use bullet points when you need to use bullet points. And I have the impression that it has a bit come back to this. I don't see that as often anymore that you get these long blocks of text. And you're like, you already look at it and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to read this anymore. So I feel like we've kind of regained some of the original editorial standards that you just write content and structure it well and have an outline. You start with an introduction and comes your body text, then comes a little summary or your quant or however you want to call it. And I, I really feel that we're on the right track there to, to come back to, to good writing. Um, now it's just about how do we write and what I noticed the last few years, especially when you work in, in WordPress and you use the Yoast plugin, pretty sure a lot of the listeners here have uh, experienced yeah. that. And um, it also does a few like spell checks and then tells you what is your, your reading score here. And what I always found really annoying is when it was telling me you're starting three consecutive sentences with the right word, with the same word where I'm like, yes, I've done this on purpose. This is my style. This is how I want to start these sentences because that can have a nice impact if you mm -hmm. read something and three consecutive sentences start in the same way. Mm -hmm. And and it was telling me, no, you can't do this. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> it's how I want to write. <laughs> it's how I yeah. want to trigger an emotion. So I think there are things, uh, it's good to have these tools to to help us write but we should still have our common sense and question what is this tool providing us and why has the writer or in this case myself decided to do this differently. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so what I've chosen for my personal blog, um, I have this, this little stuffed animal called Charlie and it's mm -hmm. Charlie who travels the world. And so everything I write is a lot of storytelling. And it's really about Charlie went here, Charlie went there, Charlie did that. So instead of, oh, here's a list of the five places you should visit when you're in that part of the world, I'm telling a story. Mm -hmm. And that I found uh, the feedback I get from people is very positive because they can relate to it. It's not static content. There's something happening. There's also a bit of excitement. It is highly personalized. And this is also something I've seen in general in the SEO in industry. People want to know who has written that content. And that's also part of Google's EAT expertise, authority, trustworthiness, is that you actually know who is the person that has created this and why do they do that? What prior knowledge do they have? What type of education? Why are they an expert in that field? And that, I think, is what, what makes a big difference to not write a scientific paper but a piece of content with a human reader in mind. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, you know, I want to ask you about uh, how to stand out from the rest. You know, you mentioned that you want to write differently and that's great, you know, because people are not willing to read the same copies. You know, I, I often get, um, uh, the same feeling when I watch new movies, we've, the plots that other movies have, you know, it's not interesting, you know. Of course, uh, when you know the end, <laughs> when you yeah. watch the same movies, it's not interesting. But if you get something new, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, that's why for me it's important uh, to be creative because value uh, it can be valuable if uh, others have it. Uh, and but you know what I see when people misunderstand user intent and uh, standing out from the rest. I mean, like it's the same like when people confuse about frequency and consistency. You know. Frequency doesn't mean that you, uh, it's not the same because consistency, like Brandon, he's consistent to write a blog post a month. He's consistent, you know, it <laughs> doesn't mean that he needs to write every single day, you know, uh, or a few times a, a day. Yeah. Um, and um, it's the same with user intent because most uh, ACOs can tell you need to learn user intent. Of course, we need to learn, but we need to stand out from the rest. Can you tell the difference between them? For example, um, if um, you wanna cover uh, a list of best tools and you see in the top 10, 10 best tools, 15 best tools, five best tools uh, and most recommendations like add a few best tools, you know, and uh, stand out from the rest, but it's not the same. So can you tell how to make difference by considering user intent? So what, what I always uh, do in, in such cases when, when a client of mine wants to create such a piece is I check what is already out there, what have others done. So that's the, the minimum that we need to do for Google to consider it. And then think about how can we stand out? What do we know that others don't? Or is there maybe an information? And quite often you already see, okay, that website, they mentioned this, that website, they mentioned that, another website mentioned that. So how about we mention all three of them and provide a bit more information in one place? It can be sometimes as easy as that. Oh yeah, you, you speak about creativity and that's that's exactly it. So you need to find creative ways how to make it better. Sometimes the answer is to make it just a bit more interactive. Maybe you need to add a few more images that people can like in a carousel scroll through or something that they can open here or a little quiz or a test or something like that to make it interesting. But it always depends what it is and what you're trying to achieve. But yeah, creativity is key and it's not meant to be easy. So if what you're doing there feels easy, you've probably not gone the full full mile and mm -hmm. need to put a bit more in. And yeah, SEO, the, the, the thing that I enjoy about SEO is that it is a good mix of different things. It is um, analysis, it is technical, it is just content and standardization and being precise, but it's also creative, highly creative. You always need to find new ways to do old things. So that's, mm -hmm. that's exactly it, yeah. Nice. Julia, I want to ask about you. Let's leave SEO, you know, uh, I check out your LinkedIn profile and I can see you speak on Lisbon, on London, you take part on conferences. No, uh, you have your travel blog. Of course, you know, if you visit all these places, you can yeah. <laughs> film about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, when, when you will go to Japan, I will go with you because uh, I want to visit this country as well. And, uh, can you tell uh, what will you do today differently to learn more about SEO? You know, uh, the reason why I'm asking about that, I found that uh, we usually get uh, better results, high results with clients who understand SEO. If they don't take our course, learn from uh, Lily Ray, 
Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips, Julia Zeng, from all these great offers, you know, because you can uh, understand how it works. It costs like $20. It's not my business model, you know. It's more about creating brand awareness, but it can help students to learn to understand. Um, and if you like, go to YouTube, uh, YouTube, uh, Google, anything. Read books, just learn. Mm-hmm. Understand the basic, then you can cooperate with others. You can speak one language. You can understand each other. Why we need to create high quality content? Why we need to have white hat SEO, link building PR? Uh, what will you do today to learn about SEO if it's your first day in SEO? You never touch SEO. You use Google. Okay, you use Google to find some information, but you don't know how it works. So <laughs> your methods of learning today. <laughs> Um, so the, the ways how I would recommend anybody who's new to the industry learn about SEO today haven't actually changed. So it's, it's, it starts with read the information that is out there and there are lots of great resources. Um, and then, then it comes to actually doing it. So you really only yeah. learn SEO when you do it. And if you're lucky how I was, where you find a great company, where you also then have a great mentor and somebody who points you a bit in the right direction, um, because you always need to question everything you read because it might not apply to a particular industry. Um, but then it's it's about doing it and having a bit of an exchange with other people. And again, there are great communities out there for uh, women, for example, there's Women in Tech SEO and there's there's a slack and there's a conference now twice per year and it's it's really good to just talk to to other people that do it and especially people that have done it for longer and get all this input and um then yeah get hands on uh get your own website out and it's it's not not as difficult anymore as it was 20 years yeah. ago to start a website people always think oh my god a website no it's it's really not not hard and you you will learn so much by doing that and then you you also um what i notice it also makes me better at communicating with my clients to tell them hey this is what you should change on your website when i know how much it took me to actually change that on my own website so you understand a bit better What's what's behind all of that? Um, communication becomes easier, and yeah, you you just learn learn so much. So if if you can't find the perfect job where you get suddenly exposed to everything, um, just get your own website out there and have that a bit as a playground. Um, that yeah. can be a blog, something something you just enjoy writing about. You don't need to sell products or anything like that. Um, just just get it out there and, and see what works, what doesn't, and how it yeah. works. Uh- I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah. you know, I don't know how to learn, for example, to play basketball without playing basketball. <laughs> you can exactly. read books how to play yeah. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can watch it's, podcasts, yeah. How, <laughs> yeah. listen to anything, you know. Yeah. yeah. But you need to take the ball and play basketball, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the same everywhere, you know, without doing. Yeah. By the way, I often see people who overlearn. You know, they learn a lot. By, yep. But if you do nothing, you get nothing. And yep. uh, yeah, we have this short memory. We can forget about something new for a few days. I can forget for a few hours. Just tell yep. me something new. I will forget. Yep. <laughs> and That's that as well. And then the, the thing is with SEO, it's uh, in 80% of the cases, one plus one equals two. 
but in the other twenty mm-hmm. percent of the cases, it doesn't. <laughs> so it, yeah. it really depends on the industry you're in, the market, and what you're trying to achieve, who your customers are, is if that particular thing does work or not. So everything somebody reads or learns about SEO might not apply to what they're trying to do. So that's that's yeah. what makes it so hard. And it is fast paced. It is quickly changing. Um, there are also some great people to just follow on, on sources like LinkedIn or signing up for, for newsletters. Aleda Solis, for example, has a great newsletter where she always mm-hmm. um, puts up what's going on in the industry. There's also always links, people to follow, um, conferences and all these things. And just, just, yeah, get a conversation going with other people. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. And Julia, my final question about the future. I want to ask you to take your crystal ball and forecast <laughs> the future because, you know, I used mine. Yeah, I used mine, <laughs> but it didn't work. You know, when I bought crypto, when I bought some <laughs> other assets, you know, I don't know why. Of course, I read some predictions online from experts. Then I took my crystal ball. Crystal ball said, me, yes, yeah, that's right, you know, and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> instead of getting up three times um, that went down three times <laughs> but you know i i never put all x in one basket so that's fine you know i can fail that's okay but anyway i want to ask you about the future in seo we have ai uh, apple is going to create augmented reality i don't know how it works but um, you know uh, things are coming fast uh, but i know exactly you know Uh, For example, uh, marketers on TV and radio, they didn't lose their jobs. They adapted to digital. I think if you have experience, you can adapt to any environment. Uh, But I want to ask you about what kind of future will be in your vision and how we can adapt or prepare today to this future. Um, So the how to prepare for this future is to, to always be willing to adapt and to Mm -hmm. pivot, to change your strategy. Um, Because what works today might not work anymore tomorrow. Um, I don't think that SEO will ever become irrelevant or that um, SEOs won't have jobs anymore, but it will keep on changing over time and you need to react to that. So um, one one thing we might see is that um, searches that used to generate lots of clicks from from Google search suddenly don't anymore because Google is displaying more and more information, for example, in Google. So then you need to think about how do I need to change my strategy now to still get customers to my website? What can we do now? Um, so yeah, it's it's always this this willingness to to adapt and change and to try and find new ways. Again, there comes in the creativity. And I also don't think that um, AI will take over the, the jobs because you still need a human. Um, similar to what I said about the writers, you still need a person there, but the way how they do their job changes. And that um, will be true for, for everybody in the industry, I would say at some point that they just need to change. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, AI, yeah, I agree. I think AI can't, but uh, it's better to consider AI to use yeah. it, you know, not like for uh, golden button 
silver bullet <laughs> now so I, of course everyone wants to have golden button but just imagine if everyone has it it doesn't work because it's not know. golden anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if everybody can use it it's not a golden button anymore <laughs> yeah and yeah we have competitors we need yeah. to think differently but this golden button can help you yeah. to increase results to improve it just to adapt how you can use ai and, and other technologies and yeah. it can make certain things faster certain tasks you of work course, on yeah and that's that's i think why everybody should use it because if your competitors are using it and they get the job done uh, three times faster than you <laughs> yeah you're obviously missing out because they have more time than to do other things as well and you don't if you're not using um the ai tool that helps them to be quicker so already that um yeah you know, Jeff Coyle told me, uh, co-founder of Market News, he told me that in the future, we'll have three companies. The first company will develop AI, the second company implement AI, and the third company will be obsolete. Just yeah. leave the trade because <laughs> you can't compete with someone who can use this technology. Yeah, if you can't develop, just implement, think how you can use it uh, in the right way. Not like golden button, but to help with creating high quality content and improve you, uh, update your products. Julia, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. You're so kind to share all this valuable insights. I love it. <laughs> Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm on LinkedIn uh, under my my full name. I'm I'm pretty sure Anatoly is gonna show the name again. Yeah. It's a bit complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> then then I do have my travel blog, which is CharlieOnTheMove.com. Um, so mm. Charlie, the little monkey that travels, and um, yeah, I guess for SEO, LinkedIn or Twitter as well, um, you can find me there. Um, I'm I'm not posting that regularly about SEO because I rather write about travel destinations when I write myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is where you find me, where you can reach out to me. And yeah, I, I might do more of the search awards. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I was last month in Lisbon for the European Search Awards where I was on the judging panel. I'll be in Paris next month for the Global Search Awards. Again, I'm on the judging panel there. Um, so I might do more of these. So you probably see me around um, Brighton SEO. I'll be there if you want to have a chat. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so great. Okay, guys, you can find links to LinkedIn. To travel blog, uh, please send me to my email. My uh, team will submit to podcast episode. Yeah, uh, I'm going to read this blog as well because I love traveling. Uh, you know, I'm addicted to traveling. So addicted, you know, when I started to travel, I got it. I can't avoid traveling because, yeah, yeah it's boring, you know, to be in one place. So I'm going to read your blog. Uh, I will be your the best fun because I know about traveling. <laughs> and uh, guys, uh, let me know if you have any questions. Ask me uh, in the comments section. Julia, it's a big pleasure. Again, thank you. Uh, welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow Julia because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift.
We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.